What's up, church? How's everybody doing? Doing good. We're wrapping up our GRIT series today, and uh, I'm just thankful you are here, that you would come out on a dreary, rainy Sunday. Tells me a lot about your character, tells me a lot about your love for God, and uh, just so glad you are here. I believe God has a blessing on the other side of today. Can I get an amen? Hey, I want to welcome all the campuses. I want to welcome those of you who are watching this online, those of you who are far away watching it online, or those of you who are nearby and you took the easy way out. We still love you anyway. Talking about the Kenya campus, Durham campus, Columbia campus, Hillsborough campus, Wake Forest campus, Stanford campus. Let me just take a moment right there and congratulate Pastor Josh and Brittany Conklin. Yeah, they had a beautiful little baby girl, Lola Blake, at uh, 4.32 in the morning. How many of you get up? Anybody, you get up about that early? I got a puppy dog. And my puppy dog wakes me up every morning, about 4.30 every morning. But I love being with her. Hey, Josh and Brittany, congratulations. And of course, the Garner campus, we love you guys at all of our locations Welcome to New Hope Church. Hey, did you guys have a good Thanksgiving? Did you have a good Thanksgiving at the campuses? You know, it's not just that happy people are thankful. Thankful people are happy. And I hope and pray you've been counting your blessings over the last few days and just being grateful for the goodness of God. That song, the goodness of God, that I think we just sang at all of our locations. All my life, you have been faithful. All my life, God, you've been so, so good. Can you, can you, can you echo that with me? If, you, if, you, if God's been good to you, let me just hear you. Just celebrate the goodness of God. And I wonder if, just as a aside, I'm not even in the message yet, but I wonder if in celebrating Thanksgiving this weekend, I wonder what would happen in your life and in my life if we got in the daily habit of thanking God every day and in every way. I'm telling you, that would radically shift the atmosphere in your life and change your life in 2020. And beyond. And you might recall about a month or so ago, I started asking us to just start counting our blessings, to write them down, to journal about them in prayer, however you want to do that, to just declare to God all the ways that you are aware that He's been good to you. What do you say we keep that going after this weekend? It'll change your life. Hey, uh, one more thing, and then we're going to jump right in. Rooted is coming. We just celebrated two weeks ago, if you were here on that Friday night at all of our campus locations, we had a phenomenal rooted final celebration. We ran out of space last semester. It is starting, as they say in college, the J semester is coming, if you will. January 6th is the last day to register. I highly recommend, if you haven't done rooted yet, to get involved in rooted. Can I hear from the rooted people out there? Those who already went through it. It's a lot of them, and they will tell you you don't want to miss it. Okay, wrapping up grit. Repeat after me. Let's say it one more time. Do not quit. Do not quit. Find, your grit. Find your grit. 
One more time, really strong, all of our locations. Do not quit. Oh, now you're gonna read it with me. I got you, I got you, ready, go. Do not quit, find your grit. Good job. The power of this series has been that the truth is many of us showed up thinking that some people are gritty and some people are not, but the truth is you can actually learn grit. You can actually develop grit in your life. And if you were to study 2 Timothy, and you can go and open up there, 2 Timothy chapter four. If you were to study 2 Timothy like we have over the course of the last month, you come to realize that the primary message Paul is trying to teach his young protege is to develop grit, seize grit. Timothy, you won't make it in life if you don't get gritty. The definition that I would give you for grit is this. Write it in if you're, if you're a note taker. Grit is the combination of passion and perseverance over a long period of time. It's the combination of what, church? Passion and what? Perseverance over a long period of time. Grit, grit is a lifelong endeavor. If you're gonna be a short-term gritty person, life is still going to eat your lunch. I might say this later as we move towards the table of Holy Communion, but the truth is sometimes the most powerful embodiment of grit is just, listen to me closely, outlasting the enemies that are trying to take you down, the season that is upon you, the heartaches that you're facing, it's just outlasting those with great determination and resolve. Grit can take you faster and further than anything else in your life. All the research today is telling us again that we can learn grit. It is available for everyone. And if you've missed any of these uh, installments of this series, go back and check it out. And if you have not picked up Angela Duckworth's book titled Grit, grab it from one of our resource centers. I think we still have a few copies left. Grit is more important than your pedigree. Grit is more important than your college degree hanging on your wall. It's more important than your earning power, your title, your looks, your intellect. Grit is more important than your IQ or your EQ. Grit, and again, I said this week one, you can disagree with me on this. It's okay, we, we can agree to disagree. But in my opinion, Grit is more important than any of those things. It is what truly sets you apart and will enable you to sustain the hardships of life and be the great person God is calling you to be. 2 Timothy 4, 1 through 8. If you love the word of the Lord, let me hear an amen. Paul says this to young Timothy, and he says this to the church. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Everybody say, preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. Verse three. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine, Instead, to suit their own desires, tell me this is not true, 
They will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you, look at your neighbor and say, but you, but you, keep your head in all situations. Endure what, church? Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Discharge all the duties of your ministry. Now listen to what Paul says next. You gotta be a gritty person to say what, what Paul is getting ready to say. For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time for my departure is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, that's the second time he's let us know, God is a righteous judge. And he will judge the living and the dead. Which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. He kind of widens it there at the end, and he includes us all. Don't you want to one day be able to stand before God, the living judge, and say, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. And there awaits for me a crown of righteousness which the Lord will give me on that day for everyone who is longing for his appearing. Paul was dealing with false teachers today like we see around and about today. Paul is telling young Timothy people will show up and they'll wanna hear things that make them feel good They'll want to turn from the truth of God's word, and they'll just want to hear comfortable, little pithy, little warm, fuzzy sayings. Aren't you glad that at New Hope Church, we really believe this book is the word of God? Aren't, aren't you glad? I, I'm glad that I get to serve and love a church that even if I preach things that are uncomfortable for you, you want me to preach them. Can I get an Amen. It's one of the reasons why we, at all of our campuses, when we renovate or build buildings, we put verses of scripture in the walls of our building. You might not know that, but we put all kinds, we invite people out, and we put verses of scripture in the walls. You might not know this, it's why when we lay carpet at any of our campus buildings, we have folks come out and with permanent markers, they write down their favorite verses of scripture on the floors of our church. It's why when we built this teaching platform right here, I buried a big Bible right here. Why did we do all of those things? We did all of those things to remind us that there will be times when we might be tempted to not hear the word of God and instead just pick, cherry pick, if you will, the verses that we like as opposed to always coming under the authority of the full counsel of God. And letting God shape us as a church. Remember, this is Paul. Paul had a head-on collision with Jesus. Do you remember? In the book of Acts, it's recorded three different times. 
Paul gets knocked off of a horse. He gets saved, and then he gets fixated on the gospel of Jesus Christ. To put it a different way, Paul gets fixated on the cross of Jesus Christ. And from that moment forward, this is the key takeaway today that I want you to get early on in the message. From that point forward, as Paul fixes his life on the gospel and on the cross of Jesus Christ, Paul then develops this grittiness. And what I want to share with you today is that if you want to be a gritty person, one of the most important things you can do, and I saved this to the very last week just to make sure I nailed this home, one of the most important things you can do is fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. Keep your life, listen to me, in close proximity to the cross, And as you look at the cross, as you grow in your personal relationship with Jesus Christ and you live your life before the cross of Jesus Christ, you encounter what I want to talk to you about today, and that is the grittiness of God. The what? The grittiness of God. Of God, Because as you grow in that relationship with Jesus, I'm just here to testify for a moment, to be honest with you. There have been times when I have wanted to throw in the towel. I mean, like quit. I mean, like stick a fork in me. I'm done. Can anybody relate? And I can tell you that if it were not, for my relationship with Jesus and staying as close as I can to the cross of Christ by faith and knowing, listen, that my Lord, when the going got tough, he didn't quit. And any storm that I might go through pales in comparison to what he went through. And because he didn't quit, I shall not quit either. It's why Paul, it's why Paul would say in Romans 3.25, out loud with me, church, ready, go. God put forth Christ, big word, big word, as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness, Because in his divine forbearance, he passed over our former sins. Now, let me just unpack this big word here that you don't hear in normal uh, conversations today. The word is propitiation. It's listed a few times in the New Testament. There are three Greek words that make up this word propitiation. Propitiation is an unusual word that talks to us about the aversion of anger. It conveys a message that is vitally important if we're going to understand the gospel and if we're going to understand the grittiness of God and what Jesus Christ went through. The word propitiation means someone's anger is averted, satisfied, poured out on someone else, resulting in mercy. So 
When the Bible says God put forth Christ as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith, listen, it is saying that God put forth Christ as a scapegoat for you and for me. It is saying that Christ took the wrath of God upon himself that you deserve. This is the beauty and the brilliance of the gospel. Listen, the fact that Jesus took all of that on himself was and is the grittiest thing that's ever been done on the face of planet Earth. His receiving of the anger and the wrath of God that should have been mine. Let me see if I can give you a personal, everyday example. Imagine that you invited me over for dinner. Y'all used to invite me over for dinner when we had one kid. <laughs> two kids, got a few invitations. Well, actually, we never had two kids. We went from one to three, because we had twins. After the third child, the invitation is just gone. See ya. It's all good. <laughs> Imagine. I don't blame you. I wouldn't invite a family of seven over either. Um, Imagine that I came over to your house for dinner. Just, just indulge me for a moment. You invited me over for dinner. And uh, how many of you got white carpet? Come on, white carpet people? Kind of beige cream carpet in your house somewhere? Right? Yeah, a lot of you. Like, imagine that you offered, you offered me a glass of wine. And um, you're like, I would never do that, Pastor. I know, whatever. Um, imagine, imagine that uh, you offered me a glass of wine or, or, or you asked me to carry the bottle of wine to the dinner table. And um, I carried it through your den and I spilled a bottle of red wine on your white carpet. Mm. And imagine I said to you, stinks to be you. <laughs> I wish you could see your faces right now. What, would, you, would you be angry? Yeah, yeah, you'd be angry, wouldn't you? Especially if I said, man, stinks to be you. Hey, I'm gonna head on home, peace out. <laughs> that, that, that would not have been good, right? You, you, you would have every right to be mad at me, amen? You'd have every right to sue me for damages to your carpet. I know you wouldn't because you're godly people. You'd have every right to take me to court. I don't know, we'd end up before Judge Judy or something. Imagine that, you and me, right before Judge Judy. I guarantee you Judge Judy would side with you. Now, what if, though, what if I apologized profusely, called Surf Pro, or my good friend Damon Frazee, who's at the Hillsboro campus, and he's a, he runs an amazing carpet business, and he came in, and he cleaned your carpet, or better yet, suppose I paid for your carpet to be replaced. Your, your anger towards me, come on, will have been averted because of what I have done, because of what I did to your carpet. Does that make sense? Listen, we have forgotten in this day and age, and this is one of the things we do to kind of make sure we're just listening to things that our itching ears want to hear. We have forgotten in this culture, listen closely, that sin 
angers God. I know we have this all, you know, rosy picture of God. He's just, he's just love, right? Doesn't matter what you do. Doesn't matter how you live. So long as you just say, God, forgive me. Everything's gonna be okay. And what we do is we cheapen discipleship. We cheapen grace. And what I stopped by to tell you on this Thanksgiving weekend as we get ready to move to the place of the table where we see the propitiation of God in the body and blood of Christ, I stopped by to remind you that sin angers God. He is a righteous judge. And sin, maybe a better way to put it is this is key, sin fractures my relationship with God. I'm concerned, church. I'm concerned as I look out on the church around the world. I'm concerned that in many, many cases, sin no longer grieves us. So let's sit there for a moment. When, when I sin, it should grieve my heart. I've sinned against my Lord. I should embody some contrition. And, 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 and since the relationship is fractured due to my sin, this is Christianity 101, Orthodoxy 101, there has to be confession. Everybody say confession. There has to be repentance. Everybody say repentance. And when I confess my sins to a righteous God, a holy judge, and I repent, which means I turn from my sin, that's when forgiveness takes place. The gospel, the grittiness of Christ, Jesus on a cross, listen to me closely, absorbed, completely absorbed the wrath, the anger, the judgment that should have been mine. And that's what makes the gospel so beautiful. That that is exactly what he has done. Let me just talk to you a little bit about crucifixion. The Romans could kill people very quickly and very inexpensively. They did it often. Sword, off with the head, whatever the case may be. Crucifixion was a long process. It was a very expensive process. There was a reason why Rome would crucify people on a cross, there was a reason why Rome decided to crucify Jesus. Crucifixion was used, jot this down, to maximize pain and to maximize public humiliation. To maximize pain and to maximize public humiliation. The custom was that the person, that typically the man, who was condemned would be forced to place the cross beam on his back and then... There would be this long procession through the heart of town. They would often take the longest route and the most popular route. They would deliberately do this to humiliate the person being crucified. Their intent was that by the time they got to the place of execution, what we know of in the New Testament called Golgotha, the skull or Calvary, by the time they got there, crucifixion would be a public spectacle. There would be a large crowd gathered around to taunt and humiliate the person that was hanging on the cross until he died. 
Now, one of the reasons the Romans did this was that they were trying to occupy hostile territory and they were trying to use crucifixion as a deterrent to the Israelites. You get out of line, this is how we will kill you. It was such a cruel form of death that it could not be used by law on Roman citizens. It could only be used on foreigners, if you will. The average criminal would suffer quite severely. Physical pain, it was excruciating. They would use a whip with leather straps and small pieces of metal or bone attached to those straps to cut into the flesh. You've often heard it called a cat of nine tails. A cat of nine tails is like a play toy compared to what Romans used when they crucified. The word is a Latin word. It's flagrum or flagellum is the English derivative. Again, a cat of nine tails is cupcake compared to what they did. They would take this whip that had bones and steel in it and they would whip you a minimum of 39 times your body would look like ground beef when you got done. The physical pain, geez, they would take a spike about that big, maybe the, you think of the size of a railroad spike, just not as wide in diameter. And they would nail your hands to the cross beams of the cross. They would take your left foot, always put your left foot over your right foot. As they nailed these three spikes into your hands and feet, they left enough room for you to flex. In the flexing was this excruciating pain. Most people would hang on a cross four or five hours before they died. Jesus was six hours on that dark Friday. They would lift themselves up to breathe. Ultimately, as time wore on, you would lose your strength and ability to lift yourself up. And so what we believe really killed Jesus was not the cross itself, but asphyxiation. Because he could only lift up so many times to take a breath. So eventually, his lungs collapsed and he literally suffocated for you and for me. Now, I could camp out there a long time, but I'm going to move on. But stick with me here for a moment. That was the physical side of it. What I don't think we think about enough is the spiritual weight that Jesus Christ endured on the cross. Think for a moment. Just, just indulge me for a moment and think about this. Think about the darkest thing you've ever done. <laughs> you got it? The darkest moment of your life, something that you have done. It, it, it would cause you to just maybe be a little humiliated. If it was flashed up on the screen, you would just be so humiliated and embarrassed. Maybe you've betrayed a marital vow. Maybe you've gone through an abortion. Maybe it was an act of deceit that caused you to lose your job or something of that matter. Just, just think about it. Do you have it in your mind? I've got mine in my mind. Add to that, not just the guilt of your sin, but the guilt and pain and shame and regret, the destructiveness to the soul of every sin ever committed by every fallen 
human being. I got you to start with yourself. Now, multiply that exponentially for every human being who has ever lived past, present, or future. I know. We can't even fully take in the magnitude of that weight. And yet, that is the weight that was thrust down upon Jesus on that Friday. The sins of the world falling upon him. And as we stay close to the cross, as we remember that it was his blood that was shed for you and for me, as we picture in our mind's eye, remember the scripture said propitiation by faith. As we picture in our mind's eye his body ripped to shreds, having been beaten at least 39 times the night before. When we live there, it in some mysterious way, I'm telling you, I can't fully explain it, but I've experienced in my life when I think about quitting, regardless of how hard it gets, and yet I stand before the cross of Christ and I see what he went through for me, what he endured, I can't quit. I just, I just can't. How can I quit when my Lord and Savior went all the way to the cross and was crucified, dead, and buried? A few weeks ago, I got the privilege to spend five days with a hero of mine, actually, musically, anyway. Um, you guys familiar with Stephen Curtis Chapman? Stephen Curtis Chapman is a multi-Grammy award winner, multi-Dove winner, phenomenal Christian artist. Um, he and I spent five days together in South Dakota with the Compassion Group, and I just got some really good time with him. And in the course of the conversation, just a humble guy. I mean, I was so blown away by his humility and his integrity. And I knew maybe what most of you know what he went through about a decade ago. And I don't know if you, if you don't recall, let me just tell you real quickly, but basically Stephen Curtis Chapman's daughter, his wife and his daughter, Maria Sue, was a sweet little uh, four-year-old girl. She, they were, the kids were playing in the yard one day and their older son was driving their SUV down their driveway and they had a longer driveway. Well, Maria Sue ran out in the driveway and their son could not stop the SUV, and their daughter was killed. I remember 10 years ago when it happened, I, I, I just, my heart was so heavy for them, and I just prayed. It just rocked the Christian community. They were all over CNN and Fox. They were all over all these networks, and, and they were just weeping. They were just so broken. Well, after spending five days with Stephen Curtis, I'm in the airport with him and we're about to part ways. He's about to get on a plane to go back to Nashville and I'm about to get on a plane to come back here. And I said, man, I'm gonna take a chance here. I said, you've been quite transparent 
this week. I'm doing a series on grit. I said, I wonder, I wonder if you would just shoot a video about what you went through and, and what grit meant for you in that time. And uh, he did. And I wanna show it to you. It's not long, but it's just, he, he has a nugget in there that's golden. The noise is a little sketchy because we're in an airport and the video is not that high quality because I shot it. <laughs> but this is golden. This is golden from a man. I mean, can you imagine? I can't. One of my children being run over by another one of my children? Can life get any harder? Check it out. Hey, everybody. Good morning. Stephen Curtis Chapman here. I want to say hello to my friends at New Hope and uh, Benji, my, my new friend. It's been awesome to get to spend some time with him. And uh, you have, as you know well, uh, a wonderful man uh, and, and a, a great man. And uh, he's actually too good of a, of a shot, though, of a hunter, because uh, he doesn't really let any of us. He's, he's got, actually, I think he's got an issue with... Uh, I don't know, some selfishness, because every bird, you never got a chance. But that's okay, that's, that's good, that's good. But um, no, it was, it was really a, a, such a gift to get to spend some time uh, with your pastor. And uh, he's, I understand, uh, teaching right now, and you guys are studying and looking at, pondering together grit. And um, I'm from Kentucky, uh, Paducah, Kentucky, and of course anybody mentions grit first I get a little hungry and think okay I'm ready uh, for breakfast and uh, can I have a little cheese in those but I am not a big fan of uh, of the other kind of grit that, that you know you guys are talking about none of us really I think are um, if we're honest you know who's ready to sign up to hey let's go uh, let's go um, get into the hard stuff and perseverance and uh, all of that but God is committed to that in our lives because you know in my experience, and I gotta believe it's in all of ours, that's where he shows up in some of the most profound ways, some of the most powerful ways. If I was scripting it, if I was running the show, probably if any of us were, we would script it with no, you know, with, with nothing hard, with none of those valleys. It'd all be mountains, it'd all be, uh, you know, um, easy. But uh, God in his, in his faithfulness and his goodness, certainly in my journey, uh, my family, our journey together. Um, my bride and I have been married 35 years, just celebrated it, and um, with six children and one with Jesus now, our little girl Maria, and a lot of you know that story, certainly the, 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 the toughest part of our journey, but a life with amazing, incredible blessings and life with, uh, with a, a lot of things that have never been what we would imagine. Um, here's, what I can, here's what I can say. Um, and there's so much you're hearing great teaching. So what could you hear from this guy? I could sing you a song about it. I've written a lot of songs about it, uh, about just keep keep showing up and trusting God. I've learned a lot about, you know, even one of my verses recently that really has encouraged me is that Abraham grew in his faith as he gave glory to God. He, he grew, you know, as he trusted God. Um, and, and so that is truly how we grow as we trust God in those places where we just have to show up and believe that God is already there. Believe that God in whatever it is that we're walking through, 
that he is he's already gone ahead of us and he's walking with us carrying us even when we can't see it and can't feel it i'm only standing here sharing this with you because of that there's no other reason because with what my family and i have journeyed through the opportunities to just throw in the towel have been so many and uh and it's by his grace that we have continued to say all right god we're going to trust you for the next 15 minutes maybe and maybe 15 minute increments to say we're just going to keep showing up and believing that you're you are who you say you are you're with us and you're for us and that's the thing that's the only thing that has sustained us is believing against circumstance against everything going on everything my circumstances are telling me can i really believe what god has promised and said and that is that he is with us right now he is for us so that'd be my encouragement to you from a, a brother who uh, has continued to make that choice by God's grace to keep showing up and my family to keep taking the next step and endure and run the race and finish the race knowing that that those promises of God are true and he's not wasting any of it. None of it's going to get wasted. I think that's the other thing that has kept us going is that this isn't, even though it seems so, so unredeemable sometimes God is actually he is redeemer he's going to redeem every bit of this and then nothing's going to get wasted so uh, keep running keep enduring and uh and blessing to have a few minutes with you this morning God bless you did, did you catch what he said there the main nugget that I took away from that was encapsulated in his statement keep showing up and trust God. That's most of the battle. Whatever it is you're trying to make it through, just keep showing up. He even said there, remember, even if it's just 15 minutes, just show up and say, God, I'm gonna trust you in this next 15 minutes or I'm gonna trust you in this next day when you want to quit on a job or a relationship or a marriage or a college degree that you know God has told you to go after, but it's hard. Or ultimately, and I, I know it's kind of heavy in the room today, but I like, I like this. We need these kinds of days. Or ultimately, listen to me, you want to quit on life. Don't you quit. You find your grit and you show up and you trust God. You just show up. Even if you, even if you have to show up in all of your darkness... You don't necessarily have to put a mask on. But suicide is becoming an epidemic in our culture. And I'm telling you, in 2020, I'm gonna hit some mental illness, mental health issues. I just feel like it's time. The church can't keep ignoring these important issues that are facing us. But just show up. Put one foot 
in front of the other. I said this in the beginning, and this is what I told you. I might come back to uh, real quickly. Here's the deal. Most of the storms that we go through, most of the heartaches that we go through, you will make it through if you just outlast your enemies. Think about Jesus. They beat him all Thursday night. Friday, he showed up. He was the, 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 the secular historian Josephus says he was unrecognizable. He went to the cross. He was not a victim. He laid down his life for you. He endured Friday. Friday, six hours, 3 p.m., dead, flatline, cross, tomb, Saturday morning, Saturday night, but oh, Sunday was coming. Sunday was coming. He just outlasted the enemy until, until the father said, it is time. Get up, son, and we're gonna kick Satan in his teeth once and for all so that anyone who knows you, Jesus, can walk and finish the race and fight the good fight. That's involuntary grittiness that we see in Stephen Curtis Chapman. I just want to take a moment today, I think it's worth celebrating, and tell you that there are times when people, Christians, will embark to embody voluntary grit. Voluntary grit. And we see that most powerfully these days in an event that's about to take place in our church called Hike for Hope. Everybody say Hike for Hope. Hike for Hope. Um, my son, Benjamin, uh, who is a junior at the University of South Carolina, so proud of this guy. He and a few other leaders are leading this charge of taking 18 people up a 36-mile trek climbing Mount Kenya, the second largest mountain in Kenya. They're going to be taken off right after Christmas. They're going to spend days going up this mountain 4,985 meters to the point to where they summit Mount Kenya to see the sunrise come up on a new decade of 2020. It's pretty stinking cool. Each member of the team of 18 will be raising $1 per meter as they climb for the renovation of the Hope Center that you guys got so excited that I started talking about last week, the Hope Center in Thika, Kenya, which offers hope to children and students living in an impoverished area, as well as serving as a vocational training center for women transitioning out of human sex trafficking, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Let me show you a picture of these 18 beautiful new hopers. I'm talking about Christina, Fran, Bruce, Kelly, Ryan, Benjamin, Troy, Zari, Caleb, Amy Lynn, Eric, Jaden, Anastasia, Keegan, Mackenzie, Sean, and Dennis. They're going to be, the funds that they're raising are going to go for the renovations of this area where we have our new Hope uh, campus and the Hope Center. Uh, you'll see renovation pictures. It's gonna really be focusing in on blessing and serving and loving and helping the children of Kenya. Uh, so cool. But we know we're going to be able to be a part of children's lives and help them have a better future. 
It's going to be an incredible journey, and I want to show you a video that uh, we put together for this as we get ready to celebrate at the table where we see the grittiness of our Lord. Here we go. So here's the deal. A group of 18 people from New Hope Church will be taking a journey up Mount Kenya this December, the second tallest mountain in Africa. That's right, it's huge. Why are they doing this? Because they are passionate about putting hope into action, renovating a community center in Thika, Kenya called the Hope Center. This center will reach an impoverished area serving children and students, as well as equipping women transitioning out of human trafficking with vocational training. That's hope in action. This group of 18 decided to raise at least $1 for every meter climbed, 4,985 to be exact. Going to Kenya and climbing a mountain isn't for everybody. That's why we made a virtual hike for hope option to walk, run, or hike 3.6 miles in support of the team. Or if you want the full challenge, pick the extreme option to go the same 36 miles the team will be hiking. That's some serious grit. A portion of all registration fees go to the Hope Center. So sign up, hike with friends, with family, your kids, even the family dog, no passport required. It's time to put your hope into action. You're not just counting steps, you're making steps count for hope. Come on, let's celebrate those. 18 folks who are leading the way, talking about something that's going to require some grit, right? Pray for them. If you're interested, I hope you noticed that website there at the end. Go to hikeforhope2019.com, hikeforhope2019.com. You can support them with your prayer support. You can support them with your financial support if you have a heart for this Hope Center in Kenya. And here's what's really cool. We have a, an anonymous uh, New Hoper who has decided that they are going to match every dollar that comes in for the Hope Center through this Hike for Hope uh, journey that these guys are taking. They're gonna match every single dollar. Maybe you've never looked at this table the way we've looked at it today. The grittiness of God is most seen and embodied at the table of the Lord. And in just a moment, we're going to sing a song as the ushers come by and they deliver to you at all of our locations a piece of bread and a cup of juice. And I'm gonna invite you to hold the elements, don't receive them. And we're gonna sing, Great is Thy Faithfulness. That old hymn that's so powerful. And as we hold a piece of bread and a cup of juice, we're gonna look afresh and anew at the grittiness of Christ who took not only the weight of your sin, but the weight of the world's sin upon himself, defeated death once and for all, so that as we know him, as we follow him, as we serve him, as we love him, as we come to know him more and more as Lord and Savior, when life gets hard, when relationships leave us empty, when jobs stink, when dark clouds start to hover over us and we think about quitting, 
May we always remember the body and the blood of Christ. And from that, may we draw such strength, such stamina, such Holy Spirit-infused grit that one day, when it's our time, we will stand before the righteous judge of all creation and we'll be able to say, I've run the race. I fought the good fight. And he will say, scripture says, well done, good and faithful servant. We're gonna receive Hold the elements after this hymn. The campus pastors will come up and lead us as we receive the elements. Will you pray with me? Father, I thank you for this table. I thank you for the times in my life, God, where darkness has settled in and quitting has become an option. And I thank you for the times, oh God, when you've You've turned my gaze back towards Calvary. And you've enabled me, and I pray you will enable all of us, oh God, to see our hardships, our heartaches, our pain, our storms through the lens of the cross. And in doing so, oh God, we would actually find the strength to carry on. For great is thy faithfulness. In 2 Timothy 2, oh God, you tell us that even when we are faithless, you are faithful. Lord Jesus, thank you for taking upon yourself the propitiation of our sin, for taking upon yourself the anger and the wrath that should have been mine. I am guilty. But the beauty of the gospel, oh God, is that you placed it upon yourself that as I know you, I can live forgiven and redeemed and empowered to have grit, yes, but also to confess and repent of my sin and defeat sin in my life. If you're here today and you don't know Christ, may I just invite you to receive him in this moment. May I invite you as the tray comes past you to actually take a piece of bread from the basket and a cup of juice. Know that this represents the body and the blood of Jesus Christ who loved you, who died on a cross for you. And when we receive that together, you might receive Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life. And in doing so, the Bible says you will have been born again. We welcome you to this table. We welcome you to the salvation of the Lord that is yours for the taking. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.